Well, we are in this sermon series called Courageous, and we have been in this for a few weeks now. We're looking at um, a book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's Joshua. And uh, just going to give you a quick, brief background. If you missed any of the previous messages, you can go to heartchurch.org forward slash media. You can see those messages there. I'm going to give you a real, just brief, you know, in a nutshell, um, sort of review of everything to bring you up to par. And if you're watching online, hey guys, it's good to have all of you with us today. Hopefully you can get back with us soon. Two weeks Easter, let's make it happen, all right? Good, look forward to seeing you then. Hey, um, where we are in this story is this. Let me go back way in the beginning. When God created the nation of Israel, when he started that nation of Israel, uh, he um, appointed a guy named Abraham uh, Abram, then he became Abraham, to be the father of that nation. And he made him a promise. The promise was that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he also promised the nation of Israel, this new nation that was being created through him, a, a promised land. He gave them a land that they would inhabit one day. Now, we fast forward through so much history and so much stuff, but, we, but the nation of Israel is, they're growing in numbers and they're moving around and doing all the things they're doing, and then they find themselves in captivity to the nation of Egypt, and, and, and they are slaves to the nation of Egypt. And God sends this guy, Moses, to redeem the people, to bring them out of bondage in Egypt and to lead them to the promised land. He leads them to the promised land. They grumble along the way, and there's some things that happen, and he doesn't let them enter the promised land, but he makes them wander around out in the desert for 40 more years until everyone that's over the age of 20 years old dies, so that only the younger people are going to enter the promised land. But there's a guy named Joshua and a guy named Caleb that, he, that, is, that are there, and they're going to lead the people into the promised land. Joshua becomes the successor to Moses, so he's the one that will actually lead the people into the promised land. Now, he's in our text, what we've been looking at, Joshua has now led the people across the Jordan River into the promised land. And as they go into the promised land, it, it probably wasn't exactly the way that they had expected it to be. Because when they got in there, they, they had to fight and they had to overtake some cities and overcome a bunch of obstacles in order to move into the promised land. And uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about that first obstacle that they faced, and it was a city called Jericho. And as they approached Jericho, it was a big fortified city, and with these big walls around it, all these people that were now following Joshua, the, the older folks had died. There weren't a lot of warriors in the crowd, but, but now they have to be an army, and, and so they're these inexperienced warriors, and now they've got this fortified city with these big walls, and they're looking at it, and they've got to overcome this city. Well, Joshua's talking to God, and, and he's, you know, they're, he's in tune with God. He's listening to God, and God gives Joshua very, very direct instructions on exactly how they need to approach Jericho. This is what he says. He says, what I want you guys to do is I want you to take the march the people around the city a few times, and he goes, and then I want you to blow some, the, the priest to blow some ram's horns, and then I want the whole nation, I want you all to shout, and when you shout, the walls of the city are going to fall down. And, and then when the walls of the city fall down, you go in and you, you destroy everything in the city, every, every living thing, every, everything. You destroy everything. You, and, and, but he, and then everything in there that's like the spoils of the battle, if there's gold and silver, those, those things are for me. They're, they're for my devotion. They're devoted things. So you, you, you put them in my treasury. You don't take them for yourselves. 
And if you do, and if anyone does take anything for themselves, then I'm going to hold the whole nation accountable. And, and you guys are going to be in really big trouble if you do that. And, and, and you're going to bring destruction on yourself and problems to yourself. And so the nation of, of, of Israel, Joshua goes to his leaders and he says, this is what God has told us to do. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. The walls come down, they go into the city, they conquer the city, just like God says they're going to conquer the city. But what no one knew at that moment is that one of the Israelites, a guy named Achan, took some of the devoted things. He didn't think anybody would see it, right? He didn't think anybody would really notice, and he took it, and he took those things into his tent, and he buried them in his tent. And so, nobody knows what's going on, so... The next city that they have to take is a place, a little place. It's called Ai. It's nothing like Jericho. Matter of fact, Joshua sends some scouts up into Ai to check it out. They come back and they go, Joshua, we don't even need to send the whole army up there. Just send two or 3,000 people. This place, they're in few in number. Uh, and, you know, after all, I'm sure this is going through their mind. What we just saw happen at Jericho, the way we did that, this is not going to be a problem at all. So Joshua sends the army, up, up, the 2,000, 3,000 people up to Ai, and, and they get destroyed. I mean, Ai defeats the people of Israel. 36 Israelite soldiers get killed. The, the, the soldiers of Ai, this little community, chase the nation of Israel, literally start chasing them. They're disgraced. Joshua doesn't know what in the world has happened, and he's talking to God, and he's like, what? He starts talking to God, and he goes, what in the world's happening? And God says, someone sinned. They took some of the devoted things. And so then they bring the, the God says, bring all the people out, and, and this is, you find out, until you find out who did this, you bring them all out, and then we're going to deal with it. So they bring all the tribes out, the clans out, families, and they one by one go through them till they come to Achan's family, and Achan steps forward, and Achan knows that God's in this, and he knows that God knows what he did, and he admits what he did, and he says this, and, and so now there's punishment that has to come, you know, when there's, there's sin that has been committed, and now there has to be a price paid for the sin. And so God's instructions were, and, and this is what happens, they, they take Achan, his entire family, his animals, his belongings, his tent, the stuff he took out of Jericho, they take it all outside the camp and they stone them to death and they burn them. So the sin now has been dealt with, right? But now there's this really big problem because the nation of Israel had been promised this land and they're on a journey and they're moving forward and everything's going great and there's victory in Jericho, but now they've been defeated and now their plans are interrupted and now they've lost ground and now they don't know what to do and where to go and what the next step is and what should we do. And that's where their story intersects with your story and my story. Because I believe that we're a lot like them. You know, we sometimes point our fingers at them and say, look at what they did, how foolish that was. But we do kind of the same things in our life. 
We come to places in our life where we've suffered some kind of a defeat. We come to places in our life where maybe we've sinned against God and we've brought some calamity on us or those people that we love or the people around us. We, we come to places in our life where we struggle. You know, maybe you've invested time in a relationship and, and you found Mr. Right or Miss Right and you think they're Mr. or Miss Right and then you invest some time in the relationship, some, some emotion in the relationship. You lay your heart out there and, you, you know, you really some raw emotion in this thing and you invest in it only to find out that Mr. Right's not Mr. Right after all. Or Miss Right's not Miss Right after all. And you lost some ground. And things aren't the way you thought they were going to be, the way you thought everything was going to work out. Or maybe you've invested in your future. Maybe you have been trying to put some money away and, and, and try to in, invest for your future and, and a good retirement and, and, and those kinds of things. Maybe you've done that, and, but life happened and, and, and maybe you didn't put as much away as you thought you should put away and, 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 and it hasn't worked out exactly the way that you thought it ought to work out and, and you lost some ground. Or, or maybe you invested in your health, you know, you went to the gym and, and, and uh, you did the exercise, you ate all the right foods and, and bought the right books and, and, and all of that. You worked really hard, but you never, never counted on that Girl Scout coming by with those Samoas. <laughs> with those Savannah smiles and tag-alongs, right? You never, you never expected that and you find yourself maybe at a place that you didn't expect to be. Or maybe you started investing in your spiritual life. Maybe throughout the course of these last couple of series, you've been challenged to grow in your relationship with Christ, and you've been challenged to, to get into the Word of God more regularly, maybe you know, every single day. Maybe you've been challenged to pray and, and maybe to get in a small group with some people that you can, you can do life with and can speak into your life, and, and you can speak into their life, and you can share life with. Maybe you've been wanting to do that, and you've decided to do that. You've, you've found a place, or maybe you've decided to find a place to play plug in, maybe here at church and serve, or maybe out in the community and, and serve, or, or maybe that you, a place you could use the gift that God has given you, your spiritual gifts, and you, you decided to start making better God-honoring decisions in your life and to live for Him day in and day out in, in, in a better way, and, and maybe to do away with some old habits, hurts, and hang-ups, and, and, and maybe you've decided to, to, to put on a, a new face and to move forward in a new and different way. And, You've fallen back into old habits and old patterns and it just hasn't worked the way you thought it was going to work. And you're frustrated. Maybe you feel like throwing in the towel and you're asking questions like, what's the use? I mean, what, what can I do? What in the world has happened? How do I regain this lost ground that, that I've lost? Well, we're right where the Israelites were. And that's where their story and our story intersects. They were advancing. I mean, they had taken over Jericho, right? And, and, and then they moved on to Ai. They were advancing, and a bad decision was made by Achan, a sinful decision. And another thing that I noticed in the text that's kind of interesting, that when they went into Jericho to do that battle, there's this really intimate conversation between God and Joshua, where God, Joshua is listening to the very, def, you know, very 
precise direction that God has given. He goes to the priest and says, this is what we're supposed to do. March around, toot the horns, yell, everything. everything. And he's telling them all this stuff and they're, they're obeying everything. But when you get to the story of I, there is not one word about Joshua having a conversation with God. So now they're sinning the camp, they've disobeyed God, and there's really no conversation going on with God. And they find themselves in a place that's not a good place to be. I mean, they're finding themselves at, the, at the, the foot of, or the feet of defeat. I mean, they have been defeated. But now the sin has been dealt with, Achan has been dealt with. God has demonstrated his wrath and how important it is to be obedient to him and how much he hates sin. And today we're going to look at the part of the story where the nation of Israel starts to do the right things and how they recover. And this is what I want you to see today because I want you to know that wherever you are and, and, and this thing that you've done, that life that you've lived that, or, or, or this thing that's in your way, the plans that didn't work, I want you to see that there is a way to recover. And I want to give you hope today. And I want to give you a phrase today that I'm going to read or, or, or recite and say to you over and over and over as we go through this message today. And I want you to write this down and I want you to put it in your Bible and I want you to put it on your refrigerator and I want you to put it on the dashboard of your car and I want you to put it on the mirror in the bathroom where you brush your teeth every morning. I want you to put this little phrase there. Here it is. Redo what's right to recover what's lost. There's a lot packed into this verse. You're gonna see, I mean, into this statement. You're gonna see that. Redo what's right to recover what's lost. Israel has failed. They've been disobedient. They know it. They've suffered the consequences. And, uh, and now the price has been paid for the sin. They're ashamed. They're probably a little shaken after what happened to Achan and his family. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, you know, that God says, listen, if somebody takes some of those devoted things, it's going to mess you guys up. I'm telling you right now, there is going to be a price to pay if, to deal with that sin. If you do that, do not do it. I will bring destruction to the whole nation. So they go into this little place and 36 of their soldiers are killed. These guys are dads, uncles, kids. You know, they, they die. They, 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 they've lost their lives. Then Achan's family is found out and they come forward and then the, they take them outside the camp and they stone them and burn them to death. Can you imagine the conversations around the campfires that night after that happened? This is real. They don't want this kind of thing to happen again. Neither does Joshua. So what happens? Well, let's take a look. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And, um, and the first thing that I want you to see this morning is this. Here's, and let me just tell you this before we get started. The things I'm going to tell you today, if you're trying to recover what's lost, if you're trying to get a new start, if you're trying to get over that thing, around that thing, under that thing, beside that thing, that thing that, 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 that interrupted your plans, it's doing, that, you know, if there's some sin in your life and you're trying to get around all that, this stuff that I'm going to talk about today is so doable. It's so simple, really. Listen to this. The first thing that you see they did is they begin listening to God again. They begin communicating with God. Listen to Joshua 8, 1. 
and two. The very first words we read in Joshua 8.1 says, and the Lord said to Joshua, got a conversation again. All of a sudden now Joshua's listening, God is speaking. And then, then he says to Joshua, God says, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all of the fighting men with you and arise and go up to Ai. And see, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land, and you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. So God says, listen, here's what you do. I want you to take everybody. I want you to go back up there because they're defeated. I've already given them into your hands. I want, you're gonna do exactly to them what you did to Jericho. I've given you the victory. But back when they first entered the promised land, they had listened to God and they had done everything that he said. But then when they get to I, they're not really having a conversation with God. There's no record of their conversation. Things go absolutely wrong and they disobeyed God. Achan took those devoted things. And, and so, you know, everything was, they had this promise, everything was supposed to work in their favor, but everything is falling apart. They didn't listen. Achan didn't listen. They weren't having a communication with God. And I believe there is a simple but profound lesson here for you and for me. We've already learned this truth in some of the other messages before this one, but it needs to be repeated. And that's this, when we're faced with an obstacle in life, when we're faced with sin in our lives, when we're faced with something in our life that's between us and our relationship with God, or any kind of thing that comes up in our life that, that it, it's, it's just causing us to all this anguish and we're losing ground and we're not moving forward, listen to me, you need to seek God's guidance. We need to pray. We need to look into the word of God and see what he's got to say. This is one of the biggest problems that, I, have you, you see this all the time, you hear this all the time. And I, I've said this before, but you know this. How many times have you, okay, don't point at anybody, okay? You know, I, I've done this too, but, but how many times have you, have you been, you've been praying or you've been, you've been dealing with something and you're not praying really, you're dealing with some big thing that's coming to your life and you're going to this person and trying to get information, going to that person, trying to get information. You're, you're asking this person, that person, reading books, doing research, doing all this and nothing's working out and you get to a point and finally one day you look at somebody and say, well, I guess all we can do is pray. What? The first thing that you should have done is pray. You should have been praying before it ever arrived, right? We need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things are added to us. That's in Matthew 6, But we try to handle things on our own. So maybe you've experienced a failure. Maybe you've lost some ground. But you can learn from your mistakes, and your road to recovery is the same thing that the people of Israel had to do, and it begins by listening to God. That's your first step. You've got to be in tune and in touch with our Savior if you're going to move forward. You need to redo what's right to recover what's lost. As we keep going, the next thing we see here is that they begin to follow God's plan. Joshua 8, 1 and 2 again. And the Lord said to Joshua, so now God's saying, okay, Joshua, here's the plan. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you. Arise, go up to Ai. See, I've given into your hand the king of Ai. In other words, and, and, and you shall do to them what you did to Jericho. He's saying, listen to me. This is what you do. Take everybody up there. I've already given them into your hand. You're going to have victory. Now go do what I'm telling you to do. And they did it, and they had victory. 
because they follow God's plan and not their own plan. It's another simple principle, but it's not always that easy to do. If there was anyone in the world at that time that should have understood that God's plan's always better than our plan, it was the people of Israel, was it not? I mean, think about it. They hadn't been that far removed from all the stuff that took place in, Israel, in Egypt. I mean, they watched you know, their, 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 some of their family, some of their grandfathers and all, they had seen the plagues that God brought on Egypt. They walked through the parted waters of the Red Sea and then watched the waters cave in on the army of Egypt behind them. They had seen these incredible things. Not only that, but they had just seen Jericho happen. I mean, come on, let's just be real. I mean, I'm just going to say, if it were me, if I had been there, and I was like one of the people of Israel, and Joshua would have come to me, and he would have said, okay, 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 okay. here's the plan, here's the plan, here's the plan. What we're going to do is we're going to march around the city a few times, and then we're going to toot some horns, and everybody's going to yell, and the walls are going to fall down. You know, I'm just going to tell you what Ed Kendrick would have done. Like, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just, being, I'm just being honest. I looked at whoever was standing next to me and go, I'm telling you, the boys lost it. He, he, his daddy was a little crazy. He's nuts, I'm telling you. The boy is nuts. It runs in the family. I'm telling you. We need to find a new leader. This guy's nuts. Horns? Shouting? Have you seen the walls? There are guys with arrows up there. Did you see them? They have big pots of hot oil up there. Toot a horn? We should have stoned and burned him. This guy's nuts. But here's the deal. They did exactly what God said. They experienced firsthand this incredible story. March around the city, blow the horns, yell, and these big giant walls just fall down. Now, I think if I had just seen that, I'd be like, yeah, God. What, what, how about you? Wouldn't you think they, they had all these stories from all the plagues and, and, and from going through the Red Sea? They see God do this miraculous thing at Jericho, and they're still not following God's plan. But before you think too poorly of them, you and I do exactly the same thing. We've got the Word of God We've got God's inerrant, infallible, inspired word, truth without mixture of error. And God has given us the stories like those stories of the plagues and of Jericho and parting of the Red Sea and all the things that Jesus did in the New Testament. And we've got all of this information. We've got all of those incredible stories. And then I don't know about you, but I've got my own stories about what God's done. All of us have seen God do something in our lives. There's been a time when you were up against the wall and there's no way you would have ever made it through it or rounded above it, whatever, but God came through. Can I get one of those? Thank God, thank God. Right? And yet, we find ourselves from time to time in a difficult place. And the last thing we do is say, well, I guess all I can do is pray. The God that rescued Israel from Egypt, 
the God that brought them through the Red Sea, the God that brought down the walls of Jericho, the God that sent his only son to die on a cross to pay the sinful, for the sinful mess that we made of the world it, through his blood shed on that cross is the same God that is on the throne today. And you and I need to trust him and we need to live out his plan and not our plan and life will work a whole lot better. So they begin to follow God's plan. And then the next thing we see is that they renewed their commitment. And this is the big deal to me. This, this, right, this sort of sums it up. This, this is the big thing for me in this story. Because you see, after all this happened, the people now, they're communicating with God. They follow God's plan. They go up, they have victory at eye. Everything's going good. And now listen to what happens. It says in verses 30 through 35, it says, at that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar, this altar, this is the way they made it, of uncut stones upon which no man has welded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord. And, you know, Pastor John and I were talking, our discipleship pastor, about this whole story. There's so much here that you just don't have time to go into. But, you know, that whole idea about uncut stones is really an important little point to the story. Because, you see, all of these people that worship false gods and false idols, they would take stones and they would finish them and polish them and make them beautiful to make their these these altars to their idols. And God says, I want you to make an altar of uncut stones because God's saying, you don't need to polish anything up. You don't need to sweeten it up. You don't make it look pretty. You just need to give me some glory and ask me to help you out. And let's see what I can do. And so he says, on this uncut stones upon which no man is wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And verse 32, and there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones, Joshua writes on the stones, a copy of the law of Moses, which Moses had written. And all Israel, the sojourners as well as the native born, with their elders and their officers and their judges, they stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and, and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. Now, there's so much in there. I mean, John and I, when we were talking, we got so, he was so excited and he even drew a diagram. And it's crazy because between the two mountains that I, that I just mentioned, uh, Mount Gerizim and, and Mount Ebal, uh, the people were, the, is the Valley of Shechem. And the people were in that valley and that's where they build the altar. But think about this, there's about a million people and they're in a valley that's 500 yards wide. That's like a bad day at Disney. A real bad day at Disney. So they're all in there, and they're probably up the sides of the mountains. But the, but the interesting thing is, is that this is the same place where God had initially given Abraham the promise for the people. There, there's all kind of 
things that tie into this. But they're there, and the point that I want you to see is just like in the past, the people begin to worship God. All of a sudden, they're recommitting themselves to God. They're, they're, they're building an altar. They're burning the sacrifices. They're reading the law of Moses. The people are com- recommitting themselves to God. They're listening to him. They're following his plans, and they're recommitting their lives to him. That's not rocket science. It's not the most difficult thing in the world to do. When they were at one of their lowest points, when they had suffered defeat, when they had lost 36 men, when they saw Achan's family stoned and burned in this most horrific thing that they've witnessed. And God is angered and God's wrath is on display. And everybody's saying, what do we need to do? And maybe you're somewhere in your life right now where your life isn't where it's supposed to be. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe there's something not going on that should be going on. And, and maybe you don't think it can ever be right and all those kind of things. But, and you're asking, what in the world do I do? Here's what you do. You start communicating with God today. You start following his plan today. And you recommit your life to him today. That's exactly what the people did. We need to get back to the basics. But, but, but here's what I know. Here, okay, let me just, I know you guys a little bit. And I know that there's some of you right now, there's somebody, at least one of you, probably more, right now, and you're saying to yourself, Ed, this sounds really good. But you just don't understand my failure. You you don't understand how many people I've disappointed. You don't understand how much I've disappointed myself. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the hidden sin, perhaps, in my life. You don't know the lifestyle that I've lived, the attitude that I've had, you don't know the disgrace that I've brought to my family. You don't know the disgrace I've brought to myself. You don't know the disgrace I've brought to God. You just don't know. I've lost so much ground. There is no way that I can ever regain it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you try to handle it under your own power, you're exactly right. But you listen, God has spoken through this story. It's in the Bible for a reason. He has spoken through Joshua and the people of Israel, and he's saying, let me tell you something. You can repent of your sin. You can turn your life and go in a different direction. You can handle, hand whatever this is over to me, and you may not can change it, but I can change it. And I love you so much that I sent my son to die on a cross for you so that we could change it. And if you'll put your faith and your trust in him, and if you'll ask for forgiveness, we can take care of this.
We can get beyond this. But here's what you got to do. You got to get back to the basics. You got to redo what's right to recover what's lost. You got to communicate with God. You've got to follow his plan. And you've got to recommit to him. That's, where it, that's the way it works. As long as you try to handle it on your own, you're just going to get deeper and deeper into trouble. Maybe you're here today, and maybe something has resonated with you through this message. Maybe today you've seen yourself in this. Maybe today you can identify with something that we talked about today. Maybe you've been struggling with thinking that you could be forgiven. Maybe you've been struggling with this thing and handling under your own power instead of allowing God to work in the situation. Maybe you've not been communicating with God or you know that God has a plan, but you really don't like that plan. It's an uncomfortable plan, so you want to go in a different direction. Or maybe your life is not where it needs to be and you just need to recommit your life to Christ. I don't know where you are. But I also know this. I know that there are probably some people here today that perhaps don't have a relationship with God. You can't listen to him if you don't have a relationship with him. You can't follow his plan unless you have a relationship with him. You need to commit your life to him first and foremost. And perhaps you're here today and you've never done that. What the scriptures tells us, if we, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And if you're here today and you feel God tugging at your heart, and today maybe God's spoken to you, maybe you can feel his Holy Spirit working inside of you saying, this is what you need. The reason you're here today is not by accident, it's by divine appointment. God has got you here to hear what I said today because it's his word, not mine. And maybe you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me if you need a relationship with Jesus. But this has to come from your heart. My prayer is not special. This has to come from you. But if you genuinely desire a relationship with him, you pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I am a sinner. And God, I have been living my life in a way that is not pleasing to you. But God, today I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And in the best way I know how at this moment, with the knowledge I have and the understanding I have, I commit my life to you to follow you. And I'm going to lean into you to help me to understand it better and better each day. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today, in a few moments, we're going to sing a song. We're going to stand and worship God through music. And when we do that, I would encourage you to, as we stand up, just slip out and go like you're going to leave. And there are people standing there already with lanyards on, and they say, prayer team, and they are there in, in shirts, and, and they are there to pray with you, to answer your questions, to, to, to help you understand what's my next step. How do, what, where does all this go? They're there, that's what they're there for. And maybe you're, you need to do that. Perhaps you're here today, and you are a Christ follower. You're a believer. You've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus. But if the truth is known, that you've been trying to handle things on your own. And you've been dealing with some stuff and you really haven't been communicating with God. You haven't been really following his plan. You're not really committed, committed to him and, and, and you're, you're really committed to your own plan. And you need to repent.
and you need to ask for forgiveness and you need to get back on track and recommit your life to him. Maybe you need to make your way to one of the crosses and put a prayer request up on the cross. You can see people have already done that. They're a little paper. You can put little pens. You can put a prayer request up there and, and we pray for those. I, I don't know what, what you need to do individually. I, don't, I, I really don't know. But I do know that we all need to be good disciples. We all need to be good followers of Jesus Christ. We all need to walk in the courage that we can have because we belong to him. And we all need to redo what's right to recover what's lost.